millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the World in Sport from RNZ Pacific. I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, the Fiji men's sevens team looks to return to winning ways in their new season, and Tahiti's beach soccer team struggles on the world stage. But first, Fiji and Samoa have been unanimously elected onto the World Rugby Council after meeting new governance criteria. The Pacific nations join Georgia, Romania and the United States on the expanded council and will take their place at the next annual meeting in May. World Rugby Chair Bill Beaumont admits it's been a long process. It's not something that just happened immediately, that they've been working with us probably over the last four years. And when you think as an area, the Pacific nations, what they have given to world rugby, and now we've got Fiji and, and Samoa, who compete extremely well at World Cups. They're now looking at expanding their women's programme as well. We know what they do in seven, so I think it's a just reward for the effort that they put in. Pacific Rugby Players Chief Executive Aidan Clark worked alongside the Fiji and Samoa rugby unions on their applications. He says while direct Pacific representation at the top table is long overdue, they understand the reasons behind the strict governance and financial criteria. We could totally understand the, the reasons and, and how the teams qualify for it in the nation. So we, uh, I think it's fantastic that both Samoa and Fiji have had those governance reforms and, and provided the finances that they needed to to meet that criteria and are now, um, by their own right, uh, qualified to be at the top table. Do you think perhaps if such criteria wasn't there uh, and they'd just been allowed onto the council that maybe those reforms wouldn't have happened or wouldn't have happened so quickly? Well, I think quite possibly so. The changes within governance with Fiji, I know, have happened in the in the last few weeks um, just to make sure that they had their best opportunity to be accepted. And that's just about building the capability of the unions. And um, now that they've achieved that, oh, I think it's fantastic. So, you know, it was an incentive for them to uh, look at some of the ways that they, they run their operations and enough as the players have been there working alongside them to try and improve these. So uh, all the senior players that I've spoken to today are, are pretty thrilled that um, not only have they got the tick, but they've, they've earned the right by making some, some tweaks of how they're operating the game in their, in their countries. Is there more confidence now from the current playing groups in those countries that the administrations are in a good spot? Yeah, well, I think it's small fits. Um, the guys are always concerned about their country's rugby because they care. I was just with the Akali Tahi from the team last night and we spoke about these changes and these improvements, and the same thing with, with Samoa and Fiji. So the guys said it's really encouraging. They were making improvements and, and just advancing the game, so trying to really uh, shorten that gap between themselves and the Tier 1 nations. And what do you think this means, having a seat on the council? What does that mean for these countries? What does it mean for Pacific rugby? What does it allow them to do that they haven't been able to do previously? Well, I guess it simply just means you can have a say on the big issues, to have a vote, um, to be able to voice... Any, any concerns or, or any issues that are happening in, in our part of the world. So I think that's fantastic. Just like in any environment, you know, to be able to affect change or, or to be invested in something, you need to be at the right table. So 
I think it's a great step forward. Obviously, uh, Tonga are yet to get to that point, uh, and they have their own administration challenges. Um, is that something you can see happening in the future? Oh, I would like to, obviously. Um, there's probably a fair way to go for Tonga, and they recognise that, but it doesn't mean that the willingness isn't there. So I'm sure over the next period that Tonga will look at what they need to do as well. And, and now they've seen that their um, fellow countries have achieved it, uh, hopefully we'll have some good work going in and get them there too eventually one day. There's obviously a, a number of major issues in world rugby that um, Pacific Islanders are heavily involved in, such as just the general fact there's so much talent and players in demand around the world from the region. Uh, you know, things like uh, young players being lured offshore to either clubs at a very young age or to academies um, and, and things about the global calendar and, and whatnot. Um, are these issues now that Samoa or Fiji have a seat at the table that you think might get more of, a, more of an airing? Oh, we hope so. I think um, we're always doing that and, and we're pushing those, uh, those cases on behalf of the players anyway in these meetings. So now... Now, for the nations to have a voice here and an opportunity to, to bring these things up at the top tables is, is great. So, yes, very well, we may see some improvement in that, and, and I'm sure um, it's only going to be for the better. From a player's perspective, what do you think are a few of the key issues that, that maybe now they, w- they would like to see you know, raised at that level? Just to give an example, we're talking today around having a surety around decent quality test matches for the current Tier 2 nations. Um, um, the players are, are always asking questions around revenue share, um, of which you know my role is, is to really uh, um, talk with World Rugby around how we try and start to even out that field. Um, th- those are the main sort of issues. We're, again, Regulation 8 around eligibility, um, those discussions are happening all the time. So you know, amongst the, the three CEOs of Fiji Tonga Samoa and, and the players, um, hopefully we'll see some, some good improvements happening. That's Pacific Rugby Players Chief Executive Aidan Clark. The Fiji men's sevens team are targeting a fast start to the new World Series, which kicks off in Dubai at the end of the month. The Olympic champions won five of the ten tournaments on the global circuit last season, but were pipped to the overall title by South Africa. Fiji also came up short at the Commonwealth Games and Sevens World Cup. And speaking after defending their Oceania Sevens title, coach Gareth Baber said they've spent the last few months reflecting on the season that was. We've had an opportunity here to play in some local tournaments, but uh, obviously getting back into the run of uh, the two days uh, in an international competition and progressing through that, how you deal with it mentally, but um, in terms of uh, your physical uh, preparation, recovery is hugely important in all that. And um, obviously getting yourself to play against uh, in semi-finals and finals against tough teams and seeing your way through that. It's all part of the art stroke science that is that is sevens rugby. And um, you know, fortunately we came out on top in this one um, and uh, we had some good battles in there as well. How much credence do you put on results at this stage in the season? Obviously the World Series is only a, a few weeks away, but um, you want to win, but how important is winning at this point? I think that, you know, obviously from a playing perspective of a group, you know, you're working towards goals and our goal was to perform to our best that we could in the tournament. I thought we did that in, the, in, in fits and starts and um, obviously winning the final against New Zealand. But, you know, we don't play a huge amount of credence. It's lovely to do it at home in front of a home crowd and finish the top of the pile in that one. But, you know, teams that are at a stage now, New Zealand, Australia, Samoa, ourselves alike, where they're trying new players, new combinations. And, uh, you know, we're, we're aware that, you know, come the HSBC series, it'll pick up another notch. And, you know, you don't get carried away with a victory that you've made here, particularly because, you know, in the space of two to three weeks before Dubai starts, 
um, everybody will be going back and reflecting on their training programs and getting themselves in position to to really establish something in those in those first two tournaments and and we're no different so yeah great to win at home but obviously you know it comes with a health warning which is um, we've got to be mindful of what's coming ahead of us uh, we did exactly the same last year but we didn't fare too well in in Dubai um, uh, we picked up a well in Dubai we got to semi-finals but in South Africa we didn't and if we look at the season as a whole it's possibly one or two of those performances that, that meant that we didn't actually walk away with the, the HSBC series so we're very mindful of, of what level we've got to come in at. And it's a very different season considering last year was of course World Series, World Cup, Commonwealth Games, um, you know it was a pretty intense uh, season this year is a little bit more ordinary if you, if you can say that, um, does that change the way you uh, approach the season, the fact that it's not quite so long or you know, are you conscious of the fact that your players probably might still be a bit tired from last year and some of them you might have to, you know, ease in or, or manage? Yeah, I mean, you've always got to look at players individually. You Then when you do your planning, you look not just at the year they've had, but the previous years as well, especially uh, for some some of our players who've had sort of three or four years on the bounce, inclusive of the likes of the Olympics as well. So, yeah, you're always managing that. I've seen it already with other teams, uh, like in New Zealand, how they've managed some of their players this weekend. Um, but, you know, it, alongside that, you've got players who would be at, at different points in their development, i.e. guys who have only been with us for two years and some guys who are fresh in. So it's a matter of, from my perspective and the staff's perspective, is to ensure that we know exactly where these players are in that development cycle and, and, and manage them accordingly. It's not just a one-size-fits-all approach because, obviously, we're talking about international athletes in inverted commas here and very much when they go to play in... Uh, series competitions that's that's how we view them and as you said it was a tough season last year um and it's that's you know accumulated on the back of a number of years for some players but equally it was an exciting year for numbers of our players who've got the opportunities to play at the highest level and they'll be wanting to do that very quickly so yeah it's forming that blend knowing where your players are individually and then applying that uh training program and inclusive of recovery and rest for each and every one of them based on what you want to get out of yourself as a team for the whole whole season. So, as you said, we don't have to focus too hard on other competitions outside the HSBC series. That makes it easier to plan, but it's easier to plan for everybody, and notably the, the 10 tournaments will be at a very high competitive level. And uh, as we approach the new season, Gareth, what what was the biggest uh, learning for you, perhaps, or, or biggest uh, lesson that, that, that the team got from last year? Oh, I think just, you know, a, a critical points, you know, recognising what those critical points are. You, you've got to be very careful as a team, as a coaching staff, that because you start to get to a point where, you, you know, you've got to finish things or you can see there's a finish line, that you don't suddenly change the way that you are as people and do something different. But it's got to come from, and we did some fantastic stuff last year, uh, most notably, you know, the numbers of tournaments we've won, but also the way we we got some continuity in our game. But you know we don't have we don't have a right for that to be the case all the time and uh, it's for players learning to understand critical points and critical games to ensure that you know you can get across the finish line um you know doing the things that you always do it doesn't take a special act to get that done and i think that a number of people see it like that sometimes you've got to do something different and you know you're very much from my perspective is ensuring that the stays players stay consistent stay consistent with their behaviors um, but recognise, uh, you know, as they grow and develop as international rugby players, just what the the needs are at certain times, and that's inclusive as us, us as a staff, and making sure that we keep them as level 
uh, with their feet on the ground as much as possible and, and obviously pushing as far as they can to achieve what they can. Have you been excited by some of the uh, you know the newcomers to impress you? Yes, I mean, most notably probably uh, two or three players that have come through the under-20s, 15s programmes playing and played uh, earlier on this year and you know seeing them playing, them coming in with us um, and, and them continuing those behaviour disciplines and the way they, they work has been, is very, very promising for Fiji rugby generally, I think. Um, but most notably, a couple of others. In, there's a young man, uh, Napoleon Urato, who's, who's sort of a playmaker, as we say here, who's first 5'8", you might say, in, in New Zealand. Um, and he's going very well at the age of 22, technically very good. And you know, it's those sort of players that I'm looking for to, to bring energy, um, discipline in the group and you know, push for position. So, um, yeah, there's some, there's some good talent around. And um, it's a matter of getting it, obviously, in with us as a squad and then you know, seeing how it develops. If it does develop, um, we've done this previously with numbers of players who some have come through, some have gone back into the club game as well. And, um, you know, that's important for us moving forward as that continues to keep pressure on everybody uh, who is who is fortunate enough to, to be representing Fiji. OK, and I, I just see that you had Kaleone listed as your captain for the Oceanias with Jerry in the squad. Is that permanent going forward or...? Um, well, it would have been it would have been Paula. Paula was uh, had been installed as the, as the captain moving forward into this season, um, but uh, obviously injury has taken his place there. He's got a fracture in, in in his leg, so he's getting over that at the moment. But um, as I said many times last year, with the likes of Jerry and Vatimo and uh, and Kali and Paula, you know, it, it, it was one of those people, those individuals who I could see leading the team at different times. So I'm quite comfortable at this point in time, for any of them to do that. And, uh, you know, should it be Cali that's pushing into the season, then I'll be quite happy for that to happen. OK, so you, you don't sort of fixate on, say, having one sole captain kind of thing? Like, it's, it's not a big deal to you to make a change? Uh, it's not, it's, you know, I would, obviously, if, they, if you're in a position where there's a standout captain and, and he's done it for numbers of years, then no, but this group is developing together. And I think that, you know, the leadership qualities shared amongst the group is, is good. Ultimately, somebody has to make decisions on the field. I think that's important. Uh, and Callie's been tasked with that presently. Um, but, you know, obviously with Paolo to come back in, you know, then I'm blessed to have sort of two captains there, plus a Jerry. And then you've got the likes of Amanoni and Vatimo, you know, working behind them as big decision makers. So um, it's, it's quite positive in that respect. That's the Fiji men's sevens coach, Gareth Baber. A lack of depth was exposed in the Tahiti Beach soccer team, which finished dead last at the Intercontinental Cup in Dubai earlier this month. The Tiki Toa, who finished runners-up at the past two Beach Soccer World Cups, could only manage one win in five games in the UAE. Tahiti were without four regular starters for the annual tournament, and head coach Angelo Sharinci says the absence of star goalkeeper Jonathan Torohia was a significant blow to their chances. Best goalkeeper of the world in 2015 was not able to come. So we had a big problem because in the, sec- in the first match, the, f- the second goalkeeper was uh, injured. And then um, we had to play with, uh, with the third one, but he had no experience at all. So we had a big problem. In the first match, we played 6-6 with Russia, who was in the final with Iran. But then in the last second, uh, in the last minute, um, there was um, a one against one with with Bale, with the, with the second goalkeeper. And in in this situation, they scored a 7-6. And in the same situation, uh, he got an, inj- an, e- an e injury. You know, so we had to play against Iran in the second match with a, with a third goalkeeper who had absolutely no experience. 
and this was uh, very difficult. We had even to play with Naya Bennett in the goal in the third period. Yeah, and I suppose um, you know, as you know, it's a team with a lot of experience, the Tiki Tower over the last you know four six years. Um, so I, I guess you've been wanting to blood some new players, and you mentioned that there are five new caps. But I suppose Naya sort of being phased into that coaching role probably wasn't expecting to play, was he? Absolutely, yes. Um, that's also something he don't wanted to play, but as we had a lot of injuries and and we had to react something, you know. And the other problem was the, the five new players. It, it's difficult to to we don't expect it to you know to um, to let him play all the matches. But as we had two injuries in also one injury in the first day and the second one also another one, so they had to play. And after the third match, it was very difficult. But you know. The result was not so bad. The first match against Russia was one minute before the end was 6-6. And then the second match against Iran was 4-2. And the third match we win against uh, USA with this new team. But then in the, in the fourth match, they were also, you know, in the, the physical aspect of the new players were difficult, you know, because they were not expected to play so uh, so on this high level for this long time and then we had to play with Naya as a goalkeeper against Spain and this was absolutely not good, you know. But at the end in the last match against UAE we were six two ahead. But nevertheless we lost this match in the last three minutes. By lack of experience and, and so on. But uh, the first objective in this tournament was to, to let play the young players, you know. But of course we expected best better results. Next year we've got an Oceania tournament. Next year there's obviously the next World Cup. Um, how confident are you that uh, Tahiti can can be right up there again? Uh, is this even though, as you say, the results don't look good on paper? There's you know certain circumstances with new players and injuries and and no goalkeepers for etc. I'm very confident that uh, Tahiti will make good results. But the problem is why why. Joe Torohia didn't come to this tournament. This is the big question for me, you know. Um, he, he was not coming to Dubai because he had to play a football match in Tahiti, you know. His president want, don't wanted to let him go, you know. And this is a big problem, you know. A lack of, of priority to this team. You know, Tikitoa, they made a lot of success in the last years. So I can't understand why they didn't leave, let him go. If you have a Tahitian player who got number one in the world in 2015, for me it's a big surprise that he has no, that he cannot uh, liberate himself to doing the Intercontinental Cup in Dubai. I'm sure he will come again for next year, and if not, Tahiti will face big problems in the future. You know. Do you, do you think um, any of these five new caps will be a part of the uh, squad if it's fully fit? I, I'm, I'm sure that two or three players of these new players will be uh, included to the, the, the Tiki Toa team. This is no doubt. But of course, they need also the old guys, the experienced guys like Toravia and, and so on. That's the Tahiti Beach Soccer coach, Angelo Sharinci. And that's the World in Sport for this week from RNZ Pacific. I'm Vinnie Wiley. As always, thank you very much for listening. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. 
catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.